All right, what's up everybody? Today we're gonna talk about how to make your mobility more permanent. How to make everything that you're trying to do with your range of motion actually stick. I think uh, just like most things, when we talk about nutrition and training and mobility, the concepts and the knowledge is definitely a huge piece to it. It's foundational. Um, applying that stuff is always gonna be the hardest part, right? So a lot of what I will talk about today is gonna be more on the concepts and knowledge around what makes mobility stick. But you need to remember that the preface to the story is without you being consistent of doing the work, without you having the accountability to the plan, this will never work, right? So I will help you with the knowledge. I will help you with the structure. And I will do my best with the structure to help you stay a little bit more accountable to it. But doing the work is always the piece that makes it stick, right? So this conversation I'm even having with the team today in our team meeting, kind of just going over some like functional range conditioning concepts, which is kind of what I really wanted to talk about a little bit more today. Um, you know, really how they formatted their certification, their philosophy, how we integrate it into functional lifestyles and kind of some of our concepts. Because when it comes to range of motion, um, we all want more of it, just kind of like strength. We all want less body composition. We always want more strength. We want more range of motion. Um, but what are the things that obviously get us there the quickest and allow us to, you know, have something stick from the work that we're doing? The old school mantra and the old school philosophy of just stretching very passively and hoping that that range of motion sticks, um, I think has been debunked plenty of times. The one thing we need to remember when it comes to, you know, movement in general, that's like the easiest way to go about this. And this is probably the thing that I'll start the conversation with is like, you will be a good mover within the ranges that you spend time in. Simple as that. You know, like if you spend a lot of time in a chair or a lot of time with poor posture, the reason why your posture is sticking to those ranges of motion is because those are the range of motions that you put your body through most of the time. Um, my favorite kind of saying to clients in general with training and obviously with mobility is if you spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day sitting behind a chair, slumped around your phone, your steering wheel, your laptop, and then expecting 15 minutes of work to do something for you, um, you are dreaming, right? It's impossible for your body to have that, that much bad stimulus coming in most of the time and expecting a beautiful mobility program to fix that issue. Um, so the first thing, the kind of the foundation to all good movement and the foundation for all movement to actually stick and become more permanent is by first and changing the environment and the places and the things and the positions that you spend most of your day doing, right? So something I've probably said before in podcasts is like, you know, instead of sitting down, maybe we're sitting down in a full squat. Maybe we're sitting down in a half kneeling, one knee down, tall kneeling, two knees down, doing a standing desk, doing something to fidget the body a little bit more. Um, working on your laptop, on your stomach, laying flat on the floor to put your body in extension through the neck and the upper back. Like, what are the things that we can do to help your body move better throughout the day is by getting your body to A, first understand that movement requires movement, and B, it also requires good position when we are a little bit more static, right? And I have to be very empathetic with you guys that are listening to this that don't have an amazing job like me where I get to be on my feet all day and I get to move weights and I get to show people exercises. So I naturally, with my job, get a lot of movement, right? I was just having a conversation literally 30 minutes ago with my client telling her, it was like, hey, like I, if I have a full day at work, I'll do minimum 14, but probably 14 to 18,000 steps in the day, just walking back and forth around the gym, doing all those little things. So your daily movement positions, those are the things that are gonna really facilitate the foundation of what sticks. Um, the most underrated mobility tool, the most underrated stress management tool, the most underrated tool in general for health is walking. 
the more you can walk, the more you can get those hips to go through their natural extension, the more you can get your posture to be a little bit more improved by working on breath holds and things like that. Um, so that's kind of the foundation piece. I just want to make sure that people understand that like in order for even everything that I talk about from here to actually work, those things need to be understood. You got to stay accountable. You got to do the work. You got to do it every day. Number two, you really have to pay attention to your daily position and your daily movement. If you are suffering with injury, you are someone that suffers with lack of range of motion, you are immobile, all those things, you need to remember those two things are the most important. So when we look at movement, the one thing about movement you know, that I like to paint the picture of is I call it the software versus the hardware, right? The software side of the movement and increasing your range of motion and improving your mobility is understanding that there is a component of motor control, there is a component of skill acquisition and coordination, right? Um, if you do not have proper coordination, getting the right muscles to couple together and getting the right things to be able to stabilize and move all at the same time, it makes movement look worse than it is and it makes you seem stiffer than you are and it also does not help with improving stability. Stability is something that can be facilitated by being in the right positions, right? Stability is not just a derivative of having enough strength and being quote-unquote stable. We can be quote-unquote stuck and look stable in bad positions and that's not what we're talking about, right? So like yesterday's Instagram video, I was talking about the whole famous conversation of like, I can see your rib boob sticking out through your shirt. What I mean by that is like, if I'm looking at a client doing an overhead press and I see that rib cage poking out of their shirt, that means that they're already in a lot of extension, right? Now that could be a coordination issue or that could be maybe a hardware issue, right? The coordination would be like, do you actually think about squeezing your butt to kind of neutralize the pelvis a little bit? Do you actually think about consciously pulling that rib cage down and using those core muscles to kind of facilitate and create some of that stability and stiffness that we're looking for so we can do heavy deadlifts or we can do heavy squats or we can do a proper overhead um, press and not have to compensate with you know your spine going into extra extension or whatever, right? So number one is understand that there is definitely a huge coordination piece to this, and that's something that needs to be taught. That's something that also needs to be practiced for the rest of your life, right? Even for someone like me, I've been working out for over half of my life. I still have plenty of things that I technically am working on. There has to be a lot of technical awareness with anything movement-based. Um, exercise, the reason why I would say it's more important is because you're putting a lot of load behind it. Um, just like anything that requires a lot of force, it's very important to make sure that we're doing proper loading mechanics like i think about like how hard golf has been on my lower back again since i started golf the last couple of years it's a very very high force high velocity swing so if you're doing that improperly even if you're doing it properly it's still a hard thing in the body but doing it improperly is just you're putting that additional layer of stress that the body does not want on kind of some of the more like joints and tendons and ligaments, like the things that we, we ideally want to stress the muscles, which inherently will stress tendons and ligaments and bones and joints and things to make them stronger as well. But we don't, want, we don't want to do it backwards, right? We want to make sure that we're putting our body in a good position to create a lot of stress around the muscle with movement and training, not something that's improperly loading up the spine or improperly loading up the joints. Like thinking about a deadlift, right? If I'm doing a deadlift, there's always going to be inherently a little bit of flexion with a very heavy deadlift. So it's not, it's not fair to say that you have to be neutral spine in order for that to be a safe lift. It's just a safer lift and a more stable lift when you can create a lot of stiffness and put your body in a neutral position, understanding that most muscles are going to be the strongest in their mid-range, not their end range on both ends. So when you think about a little bit of like flexion with the deadlift, that's your body going to its mid-range and becoming its stiff possible self because that's where it's strongest, right? If I'm doing something that's 50% of my max, I should be able to keep a neutral spine the entire time. 
Um, you know, for people that have injuries like myself in the past, I've had a lot of lower back problems. I've had right knee problems. I've had a lot of ankle sprains in sports. There's positions and movements and exercises that I actually need to be way more aware of, of the position and the intensity and everything else that I do, right? So that's kind of the software. Hardware side is going to be your range of motion, so your mobility, right? And that's mobility is active range of motion. Flexibility is passive, and I'm going to talk about that a lot today. And then the second one would be stability. I think stability is the foundation of proper mobility because if you're not in a stable position, your brain senses that and understands that, hey, we're not in a very safe, stable position. So in order to protect you from going too far or going past a safe place, I'm going to make everything around this a little bit tighter on purpose. Injuries are the perfect example of this. Like if I blow out my right knee, naturally my hip becomes a little bit tighter and like things become tighter on purpose to help kind of assist an area that has lost some stability or strength. So when you think about stability, like I said, that can be a coordination thing or that can be a lack of strength. Because if I do something like, let's say if you guys were to stand up or even just lay down on your back and try to arch your back as much as possible. So put, try to put as much arch in your lower back and you're laying down doing this and try to lift your legs straight up in the air. It's going to look a lot stiffer than if you were to kind of squeeze your butt, tuck that rib cage down, put you in a neutral position. If you were to flex your back, even round it a little bit, you would actually improve the range of motion. Um, ideally not something that we want to think about from an assessment perspective, but just to give you an example that like, why does my hamstring go so much farther? My leg testing the hamstring goes so much farther when I'm in the right position. Well, it goes to show you that like, if I took your pelvis and I dumped it forward and I created an anterior tilt, you're putting the pelvis in a different position. So that joint is actually sitting back maybe another five, 10 degrees farther back than it should. So why is it going to look five to 10 degrees tighter is because it's already five to 10 degrees backwards. So you're already starting at kind of a negative angle, if that makes sense. So that goes to show you that a lot of range of motion is predicated based off the amount of stability that area has. One being, are you conscious of the coordination of what stability needs to be properly? And then second is actually having the strength for it too. Shoulder blade is also one of those big things that we talk about, like the shoulder blade and the shoulder complex, with shoulder complex basically being a shoulder blade with the humerus, with the collarbone, you know, those kind of three bones, they all kind of move together. And the kinematics and all these things, how they function well together, they require stability for the shoulder joint to move well, right? If my shoulder blade is not in the most stable position, so if I were to think about like shrugging my shoulders and pulling my shoulder blades forward, like I'm kind of creating this like tech neck position that we all have, and then try to lift my arm, it's going to look very restricted overhead. But if I were to pull my shoulder blades down and back a little bit more, pull them back, pull them a little bit more stability, then naturally they have the ability to not only go through this flexion overhead, but upperly rotate the scapula because they're in a better position. And then the last one's mobility. And that's kind of what I want to piggyback into the FRC stuff. Mobility is the ability to control a range of motion with your own strength, not with assistance of, you know, like me hugging my knee to my chest standing up is a passive test because I'm using my arms to assist that range of motion. First is me standing up and pulling my knee up as high as I can in the air. That's active range of motion. So something that I love about FRC is they really focus their kind of approach to mobility towards, a, you know, creating strength within a range of motion, right? And like today's title of like getting your mobility to be more permanent, it requires there being a connection from the brain to the muscle, meaning the nervous system has to sense that like, hey, we actually own this range of motion. The way that I like to kind of think about passive and active range of motion a lot, passive is kind of like you're renting that range of motion. Like you have it, I have a house, I rent it, but my landlord can kick me out whenever he wants. Active range of motion is something that you truly own. 
So when you think about active range of motion being something you own, the only way to own that range of motion is number one, you have to have strength there. You have to have the ability to contract a muscle that short to get a muscle or joint to get into that position. Number two, the nervous system needs to know that. And the only way the nervous system can know that is by having contraction and having strength there. Um, last one, which is a big one for me, is like, can you breathe into those positions, right? A lot of times we can force something there, but then we feel like, okay, I'm really shallow with the breathing, but I'm trying so hard. You're contracting, you have range of motion, but that, oh, that ownership is still under contract, right? So we really want to understand that like owning range of motion requires us having stimulus and contraction, having the strength to be able to keep it there and own those positions, and then being able to breathe. So with range of motion, having it stick requires you being able to do it without forcing it, right? When you're forcing something or you're creating a very stressful environment for the body, it's more sympathetic, right? And the reason why your body becomes more stressed, or sorry, becomes more tight when you are stressed is because your body is starting to kind of slowly constrict itself, right? It's tensing up. So in order for that to lose that tension, we want to be able to relax the body, right? And that obviously comes from all the stress management techniques we need to talk about, but also proper breathing, right? So doing a stretch at the end of the workout, proper breathing is probably the thing I talk about the most, right? We do passive stretching. It's not to say passive stretching is nil. It's not ineffective, but there's ways to make it more effective, right? And the number one thing is obviously breathing because if you can get your body into this very parasympathetic tone, you can create a more relaxed state for your body and it's easier to get into these positions because your body's not holding on to that tension in the muscle and that's holding on to that tension, preventing you from going farther. So the first thing that they do, and I'm gonna kind of go through a couple concepts, they call it, the first one's CARS, which is controlled articular rotations, which is basically saying like, if I were to stand up right now, or even sitting down, you guys can do this, wherever you're doing, besides hopefully not driving, you know, and take your neck and move it all, bend it all the way to the left, and then I kind of rotate my head all the way back so my right ear is touching my right shoulder, and then my chin across my chest, and then maybe going back, and like playing around. So basically that's saying like, with your own strength, take all the joints through as much range of motion as possible. In order for our body to understand that this range of motion is something we own and not something we lease, your body has to go through these periods of having contraction. And the more daily stimulus that we have, the more stimulus in general we have, the more likely that it is for our body to go, okay, the nervous system understands we own this range of motion. You can go there comfortably. You don't need to warm me up as much. You don't need to do all these things to increase range of motion temporarily to be able to do it for a certain lift. So they understand too, one of the concepts that joints are three-dimensional, meaning we don't wanna think about things just being a linear flexion extension type of way and also not lateral, that there's a lot of rotation that we need to be able to throw in these things, right? So you think about your shoulders and hips being the two big movers in the body. These are ball and socket type of joints. And if you think about a ball and a socket, it's not going forward and backwards. You can imagine how stiff that tissue is gonna get if all it does is flex and extend right? We want to be able to throw as much three-dimensional movement through these joints, and it doesn't limit it just to those joints. The ankle, the knee even has a little bit of degree of rotation. Um, the spine is a very mobile kind of, you know, it creates a lot of stability, but it also has a lot of mobility, a lot of little tiny muscles in between each individual vertebrae, and we need to get these things up, right? So in order to have proper lymphatic drainage in order to get blood flow, in order to get nutrients to these cells and tendons and everything that we want. We want blood flow and we want movement because movement will facilitate blood flow. So and contraction more importantly. So cars is one of the things that they kind of have is like part of their warmups. Second concept they talk about a lot is they talk about a concept of uh, pails and rails. 
Pales and rails is progressive angular isometric loading, and then rails is regressive angular isometric loading. So I know that's a big word for a lot of you listening to this being like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> what this is, and there's a, there's an old concept called PNF stretching, which is uh, proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. Another huge fucking word to basically say in English, almost, I always like to explain it, and I don't know if trick is the right word, but I'm just going to use it because this is what I've always said. They almost kind of trick the body into thinking that it's like, okay, I can kind of get here safely. And the way we get a body to understand that there's safety here is by having contraction. So imagine I'm doing a hamstring stretch with you. You're on your back, your legs straight up in the air, and I'm kind of pushing you into flexion. A PNF was basically a concept that said, I want you to push against my hand after we've been maybe holding a passive relaxed stretch for a minute, 90 seconds, two minutes. I want you to push my hands, almost like you're trying to get the leg to go back down to the floor as hard as you possibly can. So now instead of stretching the hamstring, we're actually engaging the hamstring. And I would have someone hold it for three, five, 10 seconds, and then I would be like, relax. And then I would push them, and naturally that degree of range of motion would almost improve by like five-ish, 10 degrees. And the reason why it improves farther than just holding it passively is because the body got contraction with a muscle that we're trying to stretch against it. And then it, when we went to say relax completely, it almost tricked the body, right? So we need to remember a lot of tension. The muscle is just holding on to it. But the reason why the muscle is holding on to it is because the nervous system is telling you that, right? So pushing against it in kind of a PNF, that's kind of what they would, as FRC would refer to as like pales, right? Is that's progressive because I'm trying to increase the range of motion from that joint regressive would be think about me doing the same stretch i'm having you on your back holding your leg straight up in the air and then imagine i say push against me for five seconds and then i kind of relax and i get a little bit deeper in the stretch now i'm going to say now i want you to pull against my hand so imagine i'm pushing you i want you to try to lift your leg with your own strength so now we're getting the opposite side of the muscles on the opposite side of the joint and leg to work so now instead of my hamstring pushing against me i'm having my hip flexors and quads pull against me so that would be rails right that would be a regressive isometric loading, right? One thing with movement, everyone needs to understand there's isometric, concentric, eccentric. There's those kind of like the three basic ones. Isometric is basically getting to a range and holding contraction. So if I were to hold my bicep right now and I would flex it as hard as I possibly can, if you guys are seeing my big bicep on the YouTube video, it's amazing. But that's an isometric movement. Me doing a curl on the way up is concentric. Me doing a curl on the way down is eccentric. Isometric is the easiest thing to teach the body and the brain because there is no movement. It's static. It's isometric. So isometric loading is probably one of the game changers for mobility is because you want to take that muscle all the way to its either complete lengthened position or its complete shortened position, depending on where the area of focus would be, and then create contraction and contraction, right? And what I mean by contraction is basically all the supporting stabilizing muscles that need to facilitate kind of... Um, that control or help facilitate that contraction those need to stabilize too and those need to contract as well too so those are areas that we really want to think about like when we're trying to create a more permanent change in mobility like we need to get to the end and then we need to create contraction and then as you get better you're going to realize you're going to cramp a lot in a lot of these positions and the reason why you're cramping is because you're not used to getting contraction that far out or that short out um, or that short together because those ranges a are not trained and b are not strong your body will always be strong in its mid-range. This is why bodybuilders, or I wouldn't say all of them, just not make blanket statements here, but a lot of bodybuilders tend to have shitty range of motion because they train in range of motions where they feel strong. And obviously where you're strong, you can move more weight, and with proper weight and nutrients, you can grow muscles. So from a bodybuilding perspective, 
it helps, but having length and muscle, like Flex Wheeler was one of my favorite bodybuilders growing up, and that guy can drop down into the you know lateral splits and four backward splits, and this guy is 260 pounds of pure muscle. You know, so there's that. I don't want to you know classify all bodybuilders there, but I'm saying that like, in order to really acquire range of motion and keep range of motion, because that's the topic of today, you need to start to build strength, right? And like, I love some of these FRC principles because they do that, right? Um, last couple things I'll leave you guys with is like other things like kind of passive hold and then active isometrics, right? So here's what I mean by that. I want you guys to think about if I were standing up right now, I'm going to hug my knee as hard as I can, right? You should always have more passive than active range of motion because you're using additional force other than your own strength. But imagine if I lift my leg all the way up to my chest. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to let it go, right? And when I let it go, I don't want the leg to drop back down to its active range. I want it to try to stay where I got it passively. Because what this doing is I'm using the passive to create the concentric movement. And then I'm letting go, holding that isometrically as hard as I can. Hold, hold, hold. And then let go and maybe go back into a passive stretch. Now, over time, just like developing any type of strength in any type of lift or movement, it requires sets and reps and it requires lots of time and lots of cycles. It's not something you do for 15 minutes a day and expect you to be dramatically different tomorrow. The more stimulus you get at end ranges, the better you're going to be. So liftoffs, I think, are really one of the coolest things. So those are like passive end range into active holds. There's things like liftoffs. Imagine you guys are like sitting with your legs sitting down sitting upright so your legs are fully extended out in front of you and then you lift that leg over a yoga block and then drop it back down lift that leg over a yoga block and drop back down um these are things that are creating strength at the end range but it's a little bit more dynamic right so it's not necessarily it's isometric in the fact that the leg is not really moving or bending from the knee but it's dynamic in the fact that i'm moving through the hip right so i'm using lift off something like that so that's kind of what I want to leave you guys with. I'll try to keep these things short for you guys so it's not too long and you guys can listen to this on a car ride or a walk. But understand that mobility is something that is really the foundation to good lifting and sustainable longevity um, because that's really the thing that allows us to move and have good contraction and not have proper blood flow so it can get nutrients to the, the tendons and the ligaments and the joints, avoiding injuries. Like There's so many benefits of having good mobility. It's such a big part of our philosophy here. Um, these are why I spend so much time trying to work on additional layers of like practice and education for myself so I can bring it back to you guys because I really want to preach the importance of understanding that mobility is the foundation to proper strength and conditioning for a functional longevity aspect approach, right? So hope you guys like this. If anybody needs to hear this, any of your tight friends, send it and share it their way. And then other than that, I will see you guys next Friday. Take care. Have a good weekend.